good. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I hope you all paid attention to that. <laughs> I was like taking that picture. What's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to another episode of Seeking Wisdom. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the whole Drift team went down to Austin, Texas to do a little offsite hangout for a couple days. And while we were down there, uh, David and I went over to visit Noah Kagan and the crew over at AppSumo. And uh, we hung out with Noah for about an hour, recorded a podcast that was all over the map, talked about learning, favorite books, what David and Noah do in the morning, the things most startups get wrong, and a bunch of other stuff. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Uh, so here it is. Uh, here is David Cancel and Noah Kagan on Seeking Wisdom. What's, what's the number one thing that people get wrong with startups? Throw out marketing. Just say, like, with a startup. Or, the, or, the most obvious thing that I was just talking to someone on the phone about this, the, the number one immediate thing is they don't make money. <laughs> That's the most immediate thing. It's a business, yeah. not a nonprofit. And everyone's like, they, everyone plays business. This is what a friend of Ryan told me. It's like, everyone's playing business. They get a tool. They're using all these tools. And they're reading all these blog posts. But they're not actually trying to make money. Right. And so it's like, how do they accelerate that time or minimize that time to actually get money and validate that someone wants the idea, service, or product that they're building? Is that a product of like just this culture, like this startup culture where it's like, oh, you don't have to make, you don't have to make money on day one? Whereas, like, if you started, like, a hardware store and you didn't make money, you'd be like, fuck, I'm, I'm out of business. <laughs> yeah, good question. I don't know. My answer was going to be similar, which is, like, uh, mental did masturbation. So I stole David's answer. Yeah, yeah. I want to apologize to everyone listening. Yeah, just, like, mental masturbation, whether it's, like, reading or doing or not starting or starting and then playing and, like, just not realizing that it's a business and that you have a timeline and that, um, you know, whether you, like bootstrap it or self-fund it or you're on the other extreme and you raise money not knowing that it is a business right and so even on the extreme end of people who raise a lot of money talk to so many of them and they don't realize that they have to return money someday right <laughs> like that that's the flip side of that equation like someone's yeah. expecting money right but the the problem with everyone listening i don't is it a podcast or yeah. what is this called? yeah, yeah. a podcast yeah. yeah okay wow it's a pod and a cast okay yeah so the, the thing that uh, <laughs> you never, have you never heard of them? no this this new technology <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm still on tapes. tapes so here's the thing that's crazy david and i think yeah. you've noticed this you've seen hundreds of people you started many successful companies um i hope we're recording this too because we, we had some really good stuff you guys all missed out on that's right um, is it here's the problem though everyone thinks their business idea is the unique one. Oh yeah that's the problem everyone listening is like David and No don't know shit, even though they've started a few very successful companies, like they don't know anything. My idea needs funding. Uh, my not even just funding. My idea needs to be built. My totally. idea needs time. Yeah. I'm the one that's gonna go opposite of a lot of things that are successful. And a lot of the most successful companies that we admire now, like basically started without a lot of money, without a lot of capital. Let's go through Dell, Microsoft, Facebook, Google, yep. even and I think Amazon was self funded from the beginning. He self has, uh, he raised money from his parents. And but a lot of those companies started yeah, out small, didn't have, use a lot of money, made sure it was validated with the customer, mm -hmm. and then they went and expanded and make it like you know ten years later mm -hmm. uh, a successful company. But yeah. you are not the unique one. I, I think I just want to burst everyone's bubble. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you'll get a dollar from someone. <laughs> I'll tell you, you ever get in your, who was your first like? What's the first customer payment you got in, in the past companies that you're like, okay, it's real? Yeah, as soon as someone gave me. Physical money. Do you remember? Anyone? Oh yeah, uh, their names. No, no, any ones or company like. Oh, totally. Like, Even at this at, at Drift and then at Performable, uh, just going out and selling someone and getting them to give us ten bucks and just was, sign their name on. Who was the first bucks. Drift? Who was the first Drift customer? Uh, we had a, we had a couple. We had um, 
Price intelligently. I don't know if you know. Oh, Patrick. really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Patrick, pretty early. How did that happen? We knew him. We just went to him. You know, and what we said locally. Hey, here's what we're working on. Blah blah blah. We're working on. Uh, you know, he's he's helping on the retention side. We're helping on understanding customers and like how do you keep customers and how do you know what the hell they're doing and how do you up, more importantly how do you upsell those customers? Yeah. And so, do you want to do anything? It's like, yep. Yeah, all right, give us whatever it was ten bucks, twenty bucks. I don't remember what the dollar was. Is that really you had like? Just, why didn't you give it to him for free? That's your boy, dude. He's your boy. It's your boy because you got to validate, right? You validate because that performer we learned this thing, which was um, I think we used to call it dollar test, something like that, which was like it was mostly on asking for new features. This was past the point that they were already paying us, and just saying someone would ask for new mm-hmm. shit, more shit, more shit, more shit, and we at one point we were just like, okay, it's going to be five dollars more a month or whatever it was, and we were just making shit up, and yeah. uh, and then we noticed that almost no one would come back and say like, they basically would say, oh, okay, no, uh, let me get back to you. I need to talk to John in the office, whatever. We need that though. It's critical. Uh, okay, $5. Then time would pass and we'd be like, they never came back. They're paying us already. Yeah. They never came back for a $5 thing. And so we just kept doing that over and over. No one would come back. And basically we put a price on something. So they wouldn't want it at that point? Or they, would want they wouldn't it? care enough, right? Because when it's free, it's easy to say, I want that. No, give me this. Give me yeah. that. Give me that. The minute that you say, give me a dollar for it, it's like, mm, let me think about it. Well, you find out how important it really is. To exactly. Yeah. Huh. I think about that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm going to do that. Yeah. So even on existing customers, right? Like, yeah, or you you've said like the, just the difference between asking going from nothing to just a dollar is like some type of decision needs to be made. Totally, I bet. So try it. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. All right, what's uh? You start this one. Okay. What's the number one? What's the best thing you've done selfishly for your own career or like personal development? What's the best thing. Uh, not giving. Not giving a fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Number one. But did that did that start like that's. It's easier for you to say that now because you've had some success. No, like, it was the beginning. You said just, I don't give a fuck from day one. No, it was no. It was, be, no, it was basically like I had nothing to lose, right? Like I feel like so many people have something to lose did either. Grow, how did you get to that? Did you like grow up poor? Yeah, yeah. I grew, you know, I grew up lower income. Oh, okay. okay. I grew up lower income. What's my, how much is low income? I don't know how much my parents made. You know, okay. like, uh, but my mom, mom and dad both emigrated to the U.S. Okay. My mom was like a seamstress, you know, worked out of her house. Yeah. Uh, and my dad did like construction stuff. Hmm. And so like, uh, I don't know what they were actually earning at that point, but, uh, we lived in a kind of middle-class neighborhood by accident, but like, uh, we were like lower, uh, income. Hmm. And so I basically didn't have anything to lose. Right. Like, and I felt like everyone who was around, I didn't know this at at that time, but everyone who was around me had something to lose. They went to a particular school. Their parents, you know, expected them to do, to make X amount of money, right? They had this kind of lifestyle thing and it was just like, I didn't have anything to lose. And How so, did you get that motivation to get that, that young age? Cause I think yeah, I, there's both sides of seeing where they don't, they can't progress with it. And mm-hmm. someone like yourself comes up big time. Yeah. I, for me it was, uh, I think it's, I have no, I don't know, but I think it's just being around my parents work seven days a week. That was my normal. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like oh, we're working a lot. It was they were doing what they were interested in doing. Right. My mom was selling. My dad was building stuff. That's what they were passionate about. And they worked seven days a week, but they were always there for us. So I grew up around that. And then I grew up uh, being bored in school and wanting to like as soon as I could work, I would just like to do any job, work in a supermarket, work in a warehouse, work in whatever. And then I could see like, I guess now you call it mastery of that. Like I was willing I started to notice, like, oh, I could work harder than other 
other people or I could do more than other, other people would quit before I quit. I didn't know this kind of going into it, but you just start seeing that pattern over and over. And, uh, and then that developed like, okay, I'm good at this. Uh, I have nothing to lose if I fail. What's the worst thing that would happen? Nothing, right? So with, with that in mind too, you sold now two companies or three, maybe more than I even realized. Four. Four. Jesus. Uh, how do you keep that? How do you maintain that type of like tenacity or nothing to lose kind of not, is it just ingrained at this point or like, how do you maintain it after you? No, I think I go back and I'm like constantly oscillating between two ends, which is before we started recording this, we were talking about books that we like. And we, I was saying, uh, made in America, which is a Sam Walton book. And this is back to your question there. Why I probably end up rereading it all the time, which is like, you feel like you, you progress, you have, you know, you've put some points on the board and then you start getting wild and then I reread that book and, and read about him being the richest man in the world and uh, driving a pickup truck and working seven days a week. And then I'm like, shit, I got to get back on track, right? Like, go back to the other extreme. It's almost like the other thing that we were talking about before we started, cutting and bulking, right? It's the same thing. You're going back from either extreme and you're hoping to, in the middle, be pretty good. But you're oscillating between these two ends. So I think that's how I do it. You know, not only that book, but I go extreme back the other end. And maybe yeah. that's what you're doing with downsizing, new apartments, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Interesting stuff. What's your thing? For selfish. Oh, that's been super selfish. Um, I think two things. You know what I hate when people are like, hey, A or B, they're like C. C. <laughs> but, but I think at the same time. His thing is, you ask, you're like, should we be doing this or that? And he goes, both. Like yeah. Always, yeah. Always. That's well, the I think there's something there where, like, um, if you're starting a business, you're basically doing something that hasn't been done. So it's proving something that like can't hasn't been proven. So work, of course, there's a problem. So I think mindset is like, mm-hmm. I've, lately I'm just trying to get even better myself at it. All right, what's the solution? Because we all have problems. Every day there's a problem. Mm-hmm. This person thing, and you're, you default to be like, oh, it just won't work, mm-hmm. or this person's this. But then you're like, well, okay, let me. So I'm just trying to keep reminding myself what's that solution or what what is the solution. So selfishly, think two things that have helped me. Number one was being at Facebook. So I was only there a little bit of time. I was fired. There's a story online. There's a book on Amazon. It's free. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the biggest takeaway from that, uh, and I just cold emailed to get the job. I submitted my resume, was being around better people. Mm-hmm. And and here's how you know you're around better people. If you're not feeling uncomfortable, you're not around better people. Because people, everyone thinks everyone thinks they have good friends. Mm-hmm. No one thinks their friends suck. Mm-hmm. Unless, I mean, maybe a few. But everyone's like, oh, all these people are smart. I'm around good people. But are you actually uncomfortable with how they are around you? And mm-hmm. I think that's how you know you're around better people because you're like, yeah, that was a really good idea. Okay, that guy's got a good idea. This girl's really smart. And then it kind of pushes you. Like I probably grew the most selfishly just being around like the guy who designed Napster, Zuckerberg, project managers, guys who are now running Dropbox, guys who started Quora. Mm-hmm. Um, so being around people that were honestly just on another level. Like and if you don't know that person, ask someone impressive who they know that's impressive. And you can always find someone even if you're in Ohio or like in a foreign country. Uh, the second thing that was like super selfish, and it wasn't intentional, but now in retrospect, I encourage anyone who's younger, uh, starting out maybe in your twenties or even college or high school, put on events. Selfishly, that was the greatest way that I've ever connected with people, and like I had, I got access to everyone: Max Levchin of PayPal, James Hong Hot or Not, Suicide Girls, Plenty of Fish, Guy Kawasaki, um, Aaron Orn Hoffman, Tim Ferriss, like all these people that I was able to connect with it was only because I started becoming a hub and connecting people through online, but mostly offline conferences and small mm-hmm. meetups. So if you're in a small city, do it online. If you're in a bigger city, like pay for the dinner, it'll probably be one of the best investments you can do. Yep. But so you're like the facilitator of these. And they all look back to you. So like even this morning, 
there's two guys who are doing product, you know, VPs of product at very large companies in LA, and I put them together. And it wasn't self, it's not intentionally selfishly, but ultimately they're like, oh, cool, Noah too. But I want them to form a strong relationship, and everyone kind of comes back to like who's the hub and spoke around that. We talk about role models all the time, Mm -hmm. and uh, just how people like, people think a role model needs to be like some person or name that like you, you know, look like a specific person like an think idol. about every day. Yeah, yeah. But it's really just what you said, which is like just role models are the people that you could surround yourself with. Can you learn this from this person? And- totally. Yeah. And so how do you keep that now? Especially now that you move from the Bay Area to Austin. Yeah. For well, a big fish a, here. It's a different experience, right? And I've gone through phases. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what a lot of people have to do is like look back on what's got, this is one thing I talk about my friends. You have to look back on what's gotten you successful. Mm-hmm. And then keep doing it. Yes. A lot of times what we do, and it's kind of coming back to not having anything to lose, is you're like, man, I got really, this was really good. I did all this stuff. Like maybe you're doing paid marketing. Yeah. And you're like, no, I just turned on the paid marketing. And then six months later, like, why is our business down? Because we stopped doing the paid marketing. <laughs> we uh, talk about that every, every time. Every day. Every That's day. all the fucking time. And so for me, um, uh, what I do with Austin is I've realized that a lot of my satisfaction and fulfillment in life um, comes being around comes from being around inspired people. Mm. Just coming, hearing your story. Like mm. I didn't, I never heard that stuff. And mm-hmm. It's actually amazing because hearing more of your story makes me even like you more. <laughs> but I, mean, I just don't. Yeah, yeah. It makes I sense. You. It makes uh, sense. And so what I do is two things intentionally. So one, I'll move just my physical location. Mm. So in my calendar, if you go on my calendar, it says move location every three months. It's on auto repeat. It just Crazy. every three months, it's like change location. It's not that just always uh, have to move consistently, but it's like I know that I'm inspired in new places. So I live in Austin. It's smaller. Yeah. So instead of making an excuse, like I'm in Austin, there's no one around me. I go and fly. Last week I was in LA. Next week I'm going to Seattle. Yeah. And then two months ago, I was in San Francisco. And I go out of my way, even though I'm like, oh, I don't really want to go. I have my girlfriend here. I got a yeah. good lifestyle here. I go because I know it served me. And it's what served me in the past. Mm-hmm. Second thing is, and I'm, this is not always great at, but it's just proactively trying to meet new people mm. um, from the people who I already know. Even here? Beyond? Even here? Yeah. yeah. Um, here as well as like Everywhere. anywhere. Yeah. Right? Like, I think a lot of people, I don't know, I get a lot of inspiration. So it's like what people... I think for a lot of people who are maybe even starting out or listening to the podcast, like maybe you're starting out or you have a successful business, the easiest thing to do is who are you already admiring that you like have access to or who do you want to replicate? So if you're starting a business, whose business is like doing really well? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't like go, if you go to someone big, start with one of their junior people, yep. right? But those people are pretty accessible. And so if there's someone you're admiring, reach out to them or find someone who knows them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite things, like I'm going to Seattle so a buddy of mine runs Outreach.io. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Yeah, yeah. I've seen it. Uh, so Manny's a good buddy. Not a great buddy, but a good buddy. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, I'm like, hey, we're not, let's go have drinks. My treat. Mm-hmm. Just one drink. Um, you treat the rest. <laughs> I always treat the first one. <laughs> they keep doing it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. But then I said, like, who's one person that's interesting that you could bring? Yep. And I did this last week in LA. I met Larry Brown at sports.com. Larry Brown is awesome. <laughs> and he read Kyrie, Kylie. Uh, and Kylie was just like the super interesting guy. And so mm-hmm. that expanded my network, yeah. but it also expanded my like, Inspiration. So my two points, I'd, I'd say, uh, how do you get the most out of being in like a non-major city? Mm-hmm. One, move to major city. Yeah, the, there's a reason that everyone's there. It's like you know, if you're trying to do movies, you go to Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. So, but if you're not, or you're limited by family or mm-hmm. finances, you know, do it virtually, and then so physically, like try to do it or do it virtually, and then try to meet the certain people that uh, you think would inspire, admire you. Yep, makes sense. You guys both are kind of creatures of habit. Uh, or you just have like you have things that you do often. You what, sense that? I sense that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What's your? Uh, you start this one. What's your? How do you start? Because when you say you start this one, they have no idea who's. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, they'll know next. They'll know next. No, no. They'll know when they hear my voice. Yeah. Uh, you, David. Yeah. 
what's your morning routine? Like, how do you how do you start every day? Yeah. So uh, I've been doing it for the for the last year. I've been doing this experiment where I start every morning the same way. So I do yoga for like twenty minutes. Right. Very simple routine. I had never done yoga before. So I do yoga. Then I read a book and uh, a certain amount. Then um, after that, then my kids are waking up usually. And so what I'm time spending do you get up? Five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what time do you get up there? 6.30. Oh my God, you get yeah. up so early. Yeah. So I get up at five. That's the only way I can do it with kids, right? Yeah. And so then my kids get up and then I hang with them. I make So my thing is like I want to spend mornings with my kids because um, I'm never almost never there at night. You know, okay. at nighttime because there's always something going on. So spend time with them, uh, then drink coffee. Then I'm finally checking, you know, email or whatever, how just you, catching up. How do you resist that temptation? So fucking hard, dude. It's so hard. <laughs> this is like this is like the Buddhist meditation. This is like the meditation, man. I'm just like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't touch it, don't touch it. It's so hard. Uh, and so that's what that's been the experiment. More yeah. than anything, more than the yoga, more than the reading, it's been like resisting, totally. like trying to be intentional about the day instead of just. I just wanted to see, like, was there was there a real difference between starting each day the way that I was, which was like reacting to, to shit that's just going on, versus like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna proactive. ignore that, be proactive, and then I'll get to the reactive stuff on my schedule. And I just wanted to see, like, was there a real difference? Hmm. Did you and start noticing a difference? Huge difference for me, just in my um, in how calm I could re- maintain, right? like, and also my. Uh, you remain calm. Yeah. Remain calm. Remain uh, calm. Anthony's recording the podcast thing. Oh. <laughs> and Just remain calm. Remain calm. I'm calm. Day. I'm calm. Say hello. This is Anton. He's <laughs> business is doing me. Hey, Anton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other thing was just like feeling that I got something done that day hmm. went up, right? Because oh, I had time to think about what I was going to focus on that day versus like it was just easy to fall into just reacting to other people's stuff. What made you start it? Because you said you've been doing it now. You started and I'm sure a year ago. Previous ones, yeah. But you remember around a year ago what triggered it or what you started? I'm it? trying to. I read it was one one of the many books that I read somewhere around uh, being intentional. I can't mm-hmm. remember which book it was, but uh, this, uh, we've all read many many books that have the same message around being intentional, each, yeah. starting each day with this. And I think it was a five minute journal kind of stuff, which okay. is part of my you know, morning routine. So I journal like, you know, like stuff that I want to get done, stuff that I'm grateful for, you know, three things, three things. Uh, I think that led to it. You still I, do that? Yeah. Okay. Every morning. Yeah. Wow. So I do three things that I have to do before I do anything uh, reactive, which is beyond, of course, my kids are the most important if I'm home, but like uh, yoga, which is my form of meditation, reading, and then five minute journal. Dude, I love it. <laughs> I mean, one thing I, I think for myself, because like I, a lot of life, life is an evolution. You try new yeah. things, you add new things, you remove things. You didn't do those all at once. You didn't, you no, didn't, you just go no way. Do. So no. I think that for myself is for the listeners too. Like I don't know if you noticed it, but like he didn't just go hardcore. Like he's doing this like superhuman morning. Yeah, you yeah. know he's drinking bulletproof coffee. Yeah. You know he's meditating four hours. You know <laughs> he's levitating was, and shit. Yeah, yeah, I was doing the bulletproof before that. That was uh, super good. But like, what'd you start with? And then did you remove anything? Is there anything you yeah. were doing? Yeah, uh, I um, well, I was you know. I was doing Bulletproof. I was trying to work out before. So I was trying to work out before I started everything. And that was just becoming hard uh, to get up early enough to do it. I do that at a different time of day now. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I flipped the order of things. And I started with uh, the reading. Then I added the yoga before that. And then the five-minute journal kind of 
was before then, then I added back in. So I keep experimenting with these things. But it's a progression. You got to do one at a time. I mean, we were talking about tidying up before yeah. we started. And right now, I just, I've got these three things that I'm doing plus some other things. And uh, I just need all of those to be concrete before I can experiment with taking one out or adding something yeah. else. Yeah. I it's just it a stack. Funny. No, I thought your stack was really interesting because, like, I was like, Dave, why don't you, t-? we were talking about life-changing magic tidying up, which I love. And I, like, read it and then, like, you know, I just threw away a lot of stuff uh, that doesn't really give me joy. Mm-hmm. But the book, and I was like, Dave, why don't you do it? You've read the book. And he's like, you know, I'm already focused on these three things. And it's, you know, the glass is full thing we were talking yep. about. Like, you can't pour more into a, a full glass. So mm-hmm. I like that. Um, it's interesting for you, too. Like, you started small, you're adding new things. Yeah. And then you're going to, like, keep kind of iterating them as you go. Yeah, and we'll see if I, if I can add more, if I have to take stuff away. I think one thing that I've noticed just for myself, I don't have an amazing morning routine. Uh, I just do my, I do my own thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's also like how do you make it hard for yourself to do mm-hmm. the things that you that are like the reactive thing. Mm-hmm. Like email is like this. It's like Christmas morning every morning, mm-hmm. right? You're like I, I always say this joke, and no one ever laughs, which sucks. <laughs> but, you know, like, I'm always like it's Christmas, or I guess because it's Hanukkah morning. Yeah, Hanukkah morning. Woo! Oh, there yeah. it is. <laughs> and you're like all these fucking people that you know stayed up late emailing me so they could have me respond to their shit. Uh, I think the two things I would say is like one with email and Instagram and social and now that there's access to the phone, you work around the clock. You don't mm-hmm. work it. Eight hours a day is, is bullshit now. It's like mm-hmm. eight hours around the whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like how much of it is like, just think about it when you're doing it one day. This is what I try to do. Like how much of it is actually beneficial? Mm-hmm. Like in that morning, like how much is it beneficial versus getting my mind right? The other thing that, that I've tried to do is just like, how do I make it harder for myself to work yep. at home? So mm-hmm. I have a shitty computer at home. You do? Yeah, I intentionally bought it. It's a MacBook, but it's not, it's not a fast one. Yeah. yeah. Which to me, like, upstairs here in our office, like, at singlemy.com. Plug. Plug. Uh, <laughs> singlemy.com. Way to grow your website. Um, like, I have, like, a MacBook Pro, double circuit, GDR, DDR, RAM, like, top of the line, surf, like, drive, all this shit. But at home, I have, like, the smallest MacBook. Like, if I try to do two, more than one thing, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it helps me kind of, at home, like, I'm like, all right, well, I can't work mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. Isn't the battery life is not well? I can plug it in, but like I basically try to set it up to make it harder for that. Yeah, I like right. Because like it's as my friend says, it's easier to run away from the dragon than to slay a dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the harder that it is to use my like I don't have my phone in my bedroom. Uh, I generally don't use an alarm, so I want to wake up when I'm ready. Nice. I try to sleep in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think there's times where like grab my phone and I just get on it, and then 15 minutes later in the morning I'm like, there's just no benefit to this. Yeah. And so I think so you don't bring it in your bedroom. I have it outside the bedroom. That's good. Um, I know, it works for me. And I think to your point for myself, it's a good reminder is like trying new things in the morning. Mm-hmm. So try not reading your email to get to the office. Yeah. I don't even like your phone email to get to the office. That's tough. No, I know. The other pattern that I've fallen into. That we you just, the pattern. That's yeah, the yeah. thing, right? You wake up, you do this, you do this, you mm-hmm. do this. And then like, I think to my, like to my mom's detriment, this is the thing yeah. for her. My mom will keep doing things even though it's not good. Forward. Most people, yeah, because they don't reevaluate it. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is you don't want to reevaluate every single moment and remove things. But I think there's some balance where you're like, I'm doing this bulletproof coffee. I miss eggs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I remember when I used to have eggs. I'm happier. So try it for a week. You have eggs, no bulletproof, mm-hmm. and then evaluate. And this is, you know, I, I love like the experiments. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. try out these little experiments and see. Like, and I think for you, what was really fascinating was like this made my day feel more like I got more done. Yep. I think the other thing that uh, we were talking about things coming off the stack that I've given up is uh, man. Email's been, I'm either, I've fallen into the, I used to answer all email, right? Back and try to answer all email back yeah. in the day. And now I'm like, uh, I basically don't answer almost any emails. So I, emails fall into two categories for me right now. Uh, either answered in 30 seconds or I never answer it. 
Hmm. If I don't answer it in 30 seconds. They'll text seconds. you if they really want yeah, to. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, that's yeah. a, something about that, right? Which is just yeah. like, no, I'm not going to, re- you know, which is, uh, makes me a shitty person for not answering emails, but like, I can't. This is the thing. People are cheap with your time. They're emailing you some, like, David, I need this thing. But 99% mm-hmm. don't follow up. Yep. Because they're cheap and they're lazy mm-hmm. and they don't actually want it. If they really wanted it, they'd follow up and email you until it actually, in a non-annoying way, until it happened. Yep. The other thing that I thought in relation to this, email, the amount of emails you get is proportional to how many you send. Totally. If yeah. you're fucking emailing a lot, you're going to have a lot of email. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't respond to people, they're just like, well, not responding. And then the ones that really need to make it through, they'll text you, they'll call you, they'll snail mail you, they'll yep. like tweet you, and eventually they'll get it through. Get through. So, I believe it. A lot of people are like, um, I want to, how do you guys say no? Like when you do have to say no, you just straight up say no. Like, cause a lot of people say, yeah, it's easy. I get email and I ignore it, but then I feel like a dick or <laughs> I have to say no. And I, you know, I feel terrible. Like, how do you actually say no? So two things. One, Darmesh taught me, mm-hmm. he says he's phone phobic. So a lot of people want to do phone <laughs> yeah. calls. Like, Hey, let's do a quick 15 minute call. And I'm like, Oh no, you know what? I'm, I'm f- I have a phone phobia. Uh, I can't, and now a lot of our generation has phone phobia. So it's a little more normal. Can you just email me your short, your question short? So that's number one, I'll use a Darmesh time and I love it. Two, I'll do TLDR. So if someone emails me, I'll just TLDR. I'm like, yo, it's too long, didn't read. Yeah. And I'll just respond with that. <laughs> the end of the day, like, it's my life. I don't get the time back. For sure. And I don't know if people actually calculate it, but I, I calculate. Like, take an email that even if I have to open it and move my mouse to delete it, mm-hmm. like, times that by how many emails a day, time, for everyone, not just me and David. Yeah. Uh, David's. Uh, <laughs> but for everyone, like, that's months, years of life just responding to these people. So I don't mind seeing TLDR. And then honestly, the, the easiest one is instead of saying no, just delete it. Mm-hmm. Like, so I have some angry people like, oh, blah, blah. just archive, delete. Like, oh, never got it. That yeah. sucks. We talk about um, like the, the the thing that's like, the hardest part is the switching costs. Like you're doing something, you get an email, just sends you in a completely other direction. You don't just instantly get back in that groove. That's what I do now. If I don't reply, it's just deleted. Do you keep your, your email browser open? Your email like Gmail or mail? I do. So that's a good question because uh, I used to turn it off. Now I keep it open, kind of, um, and then try to resist it, which I it's usually hard, do. Man. It's hard, though. It's I've hard. I different shut it down. It's tough. Like you can do different tactics of like remove it from your phone. Mm-hmm. I've never done that, but that'd be interesting. Or like you just don't have the tabs open as lightly. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when the tab, it's hard not to like. We're like, I guess, trained for stimuli. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay, what's the new present I got? <laughs> but like, how many, I, I, I think one thing I loved it for people to think about themselves, like really think about it. And I'm doing it for myself too. Like how many emails have you gotten today that really like changed your business? How many emails were like this? If you're a salesperson, that's maybe a different story. Yeah. But for a lot of other people, like how many emails did you open or respond to? They're like, Oh my God, my business is so much more forward versus me doing something else. Yeah. None. None is the answer. <laughs> oh, yeah. None no, today. Unfortunately, it's yeah. very small. <laughs> no, I've heard, I've talked to some people who've done like just auto respond. I've never gone the auto respond. It sounds, you know, too, I, too I get a lot of emails. I'm not answering your, I have not read your email. Yeah. I just. Someone said something funny about that. I thought it was so good. It's like, I think Chris Gillibo said it. He was like, all these people who say, uh, who have auto responders, they always encourage you to join their mailing list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Kett said that. And I was like. That's true. That's genius. That's genius. He's smart. What do you, what do you, all right, so you said like you you try not to have work stuff at home, uh, email sucks. When you get work thoughts or like ideas, you know, about what you guys are doing here, for example, like where do those go? Do you write them down? Do you put them? I write everything down. My, the people I hate the most in the world, top three, okay, not most, top five maybe, is that when you're like telling something and they're like, oh, that's, oh yeah, I should watch that. Oh yeah, we should do that. And I'm like waiting for them to get their phone out or they forgot. I'm like, 
I'm going to write that down. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're Chad, Chad, the CTO of suingme.com, um, he doesn't write anything down. And he remembers everything down. And he always follows through. So I write down, I use either, like, if it's a to-do, I'll put in remember the milk. And if it's, like, I think the problem with a lot of businesses is, like, people give you a lot of ideas or you come up with a lot of suggestions. Mm-hmm. So I put those in, like, a buffer, which is my notes folder. Yeah. And I just let it sit there for a, at least a few weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if it, like, comes up again, then I'll probably go see it and remember it. A lot of times for me, just writing it down in my notes uh, helps me. Makes it so you think if it comes up again because you got it out. I got it out, and then I, like, can think at a later time if it's important or not. And I'll put, like... Things I don't really care about, maybe I just want stored for the future, like my lockbox code in Evernote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most important thing is just writing it down. So, like it's critical just to write it down. And whatever system people have, people are old now. Yeah, like they've got something they're, something. they're all using. Yeah, I do something similar, which is just I just write it in a note, but not. But I never read it. I almost never read it again. Mm-hmm. I just need to get it off, and then if it just keeps coming back up, either I can't get it out of my head, or I just keep come up with the same thought, then those are the things I usually pursue. How do you do it with product? And I don't know if we're going to product. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's like, do it. You're like the product expert. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. You're like, you, you've saved HubSpot from bankruptcy, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I you've had Compete.com, Performable.com, you have new Drift.com, which is going to do well. Um, how do you, you know, you have a lot of people, so you talk to customer meetings, and they yeah. tell you, David, give us this. Mm-hmm. And then you guys have your internal meetings. Like, how do you filter that and then prioritize that? Mm, man. That's a fucking... No, I want to learn. You I, know that's learn? A long, I know that's yeah. a longer... That's a long question. Uh, well, maybe it's like the highlight reel of the ESPN top 10 of that. Yeah. So usually when, when I'm talking to people like prospective customer or like um, or current customer, I'm not... And they're just telling me, hey, man, hey, I need this, I need that, I need that, whatever. I'm not always listening to exactly what they're saying. I hear what they're saying. And I may write down what they're saying, but I'm trying to get to like what is what is the actual problem that they're having and is it actually a problem and so a lot of that is weird in that I'm just listening to what words that they're saying about you know what words they're using yeah. and then I'm just trying to observe how they and then I try to get into like well how do you deal with that today well I'm not dealing with that today okay so maybe not really a, not really a problem so let so me like, dig in there right they might say like hey uh, Noah for sumo me man we really need fucking Pinterest integration they do. That's what they say. Yeah, yeah. Non-stop. <laughs> they, they say, okay, keep yeah. going. Pinterest. I need Pinterest. need Pinterest. Oh, how much Pinterest stuff are you doing today? None. Okay, but I need Pinterest. Pinterest is number one thing that I need. Okay, Pinterest, Pinterest. Okay, cool. And then you just keep going. So what else do you do? What are you doing each day? You know, show me your tabs. Show me what you're doing. Show me the problem that you're having. Show me your website. I'm just looking. And nothing has to do, you know, they're like B2B marketer who sells fucking pipes. And they're talking about fucking Pinterest. And it's just like Pinterest, Pinterest. Because that's like a... You know, lots of times people, when people are telling you about features, they talk about aspirational things. Like, oh, I aspire. that's interesting, yeah. Like, I would love to be on the hot shit. But what do they actually need now? What do you actually need now? Yeah. Your job is not this, right? This is some aspirational thing. Like, I could talk all day about, like, abs. You know, we could talk about, like, abs, abs, abs. And maybe from a marketing standpoint, that's great because you can use it as a, as a lever on marketing. But if you ask me, okay, how often are you working on? Zero. I don't work at it at all. <laughs> How's your diet? It sucks. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And you're like... Uh, but I really need apps to work. Yeah. Okay. But what do you do each day? Oh, you know, I sit on the couch, watch TV. Maybe I should build something better for TV and not, you know, apps. Mm. Right? Because you're not going to use the yeah. apps. Or maybe I should just sell you some fake app builder and then make money. And shake weight. Uh, shake weight. Yeah. <laughs> so for like, for like drift.com, like how has that evolved with product and you taking in inputs and deciding what you want for yourself? Like how has that evolved and like what have been some inflection points on, on those products? A couple inflection points. We started out, um, we started out talking to people 
mostly around uh, how are they communicating either to customers or internally, right? It was around customer communication. And so in the beginning, a lot of that shit started out like internal, like how you guys are talking about uh, customers that you're working with and like how do you take it in exactly what you asked me, customer feedback on product ideas, how do you turn that in when you actually build something, how do you communicate that back to the customer, all that kind of stuff. And it was really internally focused. And so it had to do more with like how teams were communicating. And But the more that we kept talking to people, the more that we saw like what they valued when we would talk to them was the communication that was going out to a customer. And you guys know this stream of me, right? It was like the stuff that they were pushing out to customers, uh, either prospects or customers was the most important thing. It wasn't the internal dialogue as much because they had figured out some way to deal with that problem. And so like that, those were inflection points for us. Like we were dealing around the same problem, but we were focused at the wrong end of the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, How do you recognize that? Because we, another good question, Um, because we saw them using our early stuff for both things, right? And so we were just trying to, kept asking, like, which one do you value most? Oh, both. You know, we value both. I do it in here, I do it in there. What other tools do you use for internal? I got Slack, I got this, I got that, I got a bunch of tools there. And I kind of, and I use Drift for some of that stuff. Uh, And then, uh, but... They basically told us after after a while, after enough people, like, oh, the most valuable thing is, like, when I send something out to a customer. Because that's part of my job, mm-hmm. right? My Part of my job for most of these people, these are, like... What mar- they're actually needing. Yeah. yeah. These, these were mostly, like, product marketers and product managers and stuff like that was, like, part of their job, the way that they were measured was, like, when they were communicating to customers and getting customers to do something, right? Like, use the product more, uh, whatever, upgrade, whatever it was that they were trying to drive the customer to do. Uh, that's how they were getting measured themselves internally. So that's where they were motivated, right? So like, I think a lot about like alignment, like uh, my, this is another, this is a different topic, but I think like now, like all, all like organizational problems are just alignment issues. Like meaning like, you know, you look at it like a sales rep and the sales rep is like um, bringing a lot of deals, but like a lot of those deals are churning. So you, instead of fixing, that the fundamental problem you say like oh we're gonna have callbacks we're gonna have this we're gonna have fancy we're gonna have fancy math but the sales rep doesn't give a shit because like this month i'm getting comped on sales so i'm just gonna sell as much of this shit as i can uh until you change the you try to change the alignment where like if they sell bad things and customers go away like there won't be an ability to add new customers for them and you can do that simply like with like territories they talk a lot about like old school thing like hey you can only sell in austin so, like, if you burn churn Austin, like, there's no more leads for you, hmm. right? Like, so that changes, this is a weird example, salesperson's alignment says, like, oh, shit, maybe I should not be burning and churning through these people because I can only sell this area. How do, you, how do you organize all the different things you want to do? Like, your guys' roadmap and things? Is it spreadsheets, Asana? Oh, okay. Yeah, tactics. Uh, well, no, I'm just curious more, like, how do you do the buffer stuff and then how do you do, like, the actual stuff you're going to do? Yeah, the uh, bunch of different ways we let the we did this at HubSpot too we ultimately like organize small three-person teams internally and we let the teams really decide like where their organization is going to be right instead of doing that company-wide so we do so some people would end up using Trello some people would use like uh, GitHub tickets you know like okay. whatever you know spreadsheet blah blah blah, blah. The pro- my thing was like I don't really care where it is like because for each team they've got a different way that works for them right you have a different method than I have a yeah, method sure. and so like uh, me saying like you can only use this one method because that's what I like yeah. uh, 
is not that useful. All I care about is like, are you hitting the goals that we so have? So how do you guide them? So let them do whatever text they want. How do you guide them to the right direction? Like the alignment that we were talking about. How do you guide oh, okay. Them? From a feature standpoint? Yeah. Like from a higher level, like you're like, all right, this team, you know, you're responsible for this, you're responsible for this, but like, how do you make sure that they, that they're on the right path that you want them to be doing? So the, with product, it's simply around the customer. So like this team is, I don't know how you divide teams, but like, no, I'd love to know how yeah. that's a thought. Yeah. So let's say they own a portion of your product. Like, uh, so it's like email tools. Yeah. Email tools. That's easy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like it's a, it's something that the customer can see that they think about as like part of your product, right? It's a discrete thing, right? It's not like a half of a setting or like a half of a screen. It's like email tools. They own email tools. All right. So how do you measure that team's being effective? You look at, I would look at the customer metrics. And, and measure those teams on those customer metrics. How many customers are using that tool? How many customers after 30 days, 60 days, 90 days are using different features inside of email tools? For every new feature that you release in there, how does each cohort, not only by time, but also by plan size, how much they're paying us, how are they using those tools, and are we basically increasing all of those cohorts over time? Uh, how does churn look like for email tools? email tool customers yeah uh and so and they're specialized interesting yeah and then and then have um the basic stuff that they would have as well what's downtime on email tools what's you know uh speed on email tools just from a performance standpoint um you know and then what's the retention stuff and then what's the activation stuff for email tools specifically and then you basically have that for each team and you're looking at week over week month over month and as long as those things are right, and I don't know what the numbers are, what the metrics are for you, but as long as those customer metrics are right, right, the customer's happier, they're using the tool more, they're paying you more money, then if they use Asana or a TextPad or a Notepad, like who gives a shit? Like it doesn't matter, right? Like, and what you're doing is giving that team autonomy to decide. I don't care if you fucking use Asana or Trello or write it on your fucking shoe. Like you have a goal. And we measure that goal, and everyone in the company sees that goal. So is it like you tri- did the goals trickle down? Like here's a company goal, and then here's yes. your goal that affects that goal, and then you have sub goals that'll totally. Up. But instead of having lots of company goals, it can be very simple, right? Like you have, we have a revenue goal, right? Yeah, that's it. I don't care. I just want a revenue goal, and I want revenue with this kind of churn, right? And so, like email tools, figure out how the fuck to do that. How right? to get the revenue with this kind of churn? Yeah, and I'm going to measure everything that you do based on that. New features, existing features. How are they impacting that or not? Exactly. Okay. And so, like, you want to use whatever. To, I don't care. Who cares? Like, do you need to see the roadmap that they have? No. Like, who cares? Like, oh, really? No. We would have no roadmaps for that. No stuff. way. Really? Totally. Yeah. That's why we had zero roadmaps. Yeah. So it was just more of like, here's your goal. Like, here's a revenue and churn goal, but more or less. Yeah. Maybe there's variations for different businesses. Totally. Here's the goals, from the customer goals that we're measuring for the team. And then here are like from a strategic standpoint, here's some themes that we want to hit this year. That's not a roadmap. That's not like this feature will be released on this date, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it's like, these are the things that we want to do. And then what we did was separate marketing events from product events, right? Because usually most companies would tie those together and say like, hey, you're going to release email tools next Tuesday. All right, we're going to market the shit out of it next Tuesday. And that's when all shit yeah. goes bad, right? Because it's like, well, they released it. It's fucking janky. It doesn't really work. We drove a lot of traffic to it. People are a little pissed off. You didn't give them a chance to have an iteration, iterations. And so we would set marketing goals that, and sometimes at HubSpot, like our marketing goals would be six months out after we had released something. People were using it already for six months. We never announced it to anyone, but they were already using it. And by the time we released it, now we had case studies 
Now we had iterated the shit out of that thing when you like it was driving the metrics the right way, oh, and then we did like ten iterations of it. That's when we did a big marketing push on that thing. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So, so like, man, smaller team, which is I think we need to do around a specific customer, customer goal. Yep. Customer goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I like that just a longer beta period because I think we do that. I know it's only we push it out. That's what we did at Facebook. You push mm-hmm. it out, fix it right mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Versus actually like getting it in, having a lot more beta people, longer time frame. Yep. Make sure it's like you know. Hitting the right goals. Huh. I like that. Totally. Especially when you're pushing stuff out to to paid users or to people who are increasingly paying you more. Like their tolerance for shit not working goes down. Yeah. It's different with when it's, well, it's free. free. Yeah, it's free so people are more, more tolerant. Uh, but less so like email and stuff that fucks up their customer. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> or takes down their website. I like whatever. that. That's really good. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Man. It's fun. That was good. Yeah, that was really good. I hope you all paid attention to that. I would like to take that. Yeah. All right, we'll end with a couple uh, couple lighter ones. Well, not lighter, but uh, you guys were talking a lot about reading before. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a, a Give us a book recommendation or like just talk about the book that's had the biggest impact on you personally or professionally. Or well, we were talking in the beginning about readers versus non-readers, non-re-readers. Yeah. non-readers. So there's people in the world who read a book once and there's people who read it many times. I mean, I read a book and personally what I do, I don't know if it works for everyone, I always do a book report. Oh, that's good. So I wanted like, to do that. I never it, do it. Uh, well, you can do it even lazier now. So in the beginning with paper books, kids, I don't know if you remember these, yeah. <laughs> I'd have to like bunny ear and then I'd try to underline it if I had a pen. If I didn't, I'd have to go back to the, after the book, I'd always go back and undo the bunny ear and write a note on that, whatever that yeah. section was. Mm-hmm. Now with Kindle, you can just highlight, yep. and then you can export your highlight to an article. Mm-hmm. And so then now I'll even put my articles on okdork.com. I'll just export my book reports. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, not every book is worthy of a book report. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, some are, some aren't. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, you know what's funny? I think most things, one blog post are shit, no matter how great they are. Like mm-hmm. if a book is a blog post repeated 200 times. Yep. Right? And so almost zero times in my life, my life has really ever been changed by reading someone else's blog post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're looking for substantial and like, sustainable change like reading more books I've seen consistently from successful yeah. people I mean in terms of the books there's so many I don't know I have a lot of different books for different parts so I'll say like David all of the above yeah I mean, all well, of some why, do you, why do you do book reports uh, it's a way that I can remember and highlight the most important parts of the book because as we were talking about notes like me just the act of writing them down publishing is more to share because I'm like if I already wrote it maybe I'll make it easier for someone else to want to read mm-hmm. the book so I can make 45 cents on my Amazon affiliate link. Yeah. Most importantly. <laughs> but you, most rarely, importantly, you rarely go back. I never. Read not rarely. Notes. I don't read the never? notes. I don't read the book. Yeah. I skim the notes as I organize the art of the post. But just the idea of writing them down, getting them out there for me has helped me like solidify. Yeah. Every book, basically, you don't have more than two messages. Mm-hmm. Three, That's true. Three and a good one. Yep. You're not taking away yeah. more than that. Mm-hmm. Talk uh, about that. Yeah. You're I, thinking I, about like... People are like, I don't want to spend money on books or whatever. It's like you need one. You need to come away with one thing. Yeah, one thing. One okay, thing uh, one idea. Oh, I, I got it. You know, stop the book or just uh, finish the book if you want. But you only need one thing. I think people are looking for a thousand things or like, uh, and there just needs to be one thing that you can implement. All right, yeah, I got it. Whatever, that's it. Move on to the next thing. Are you a finisher or you? So there's two no. types of people as well. There's the finishers who have to finish the end, and there's mm-hmm. like the like. It's just not, it's not, we're not working out. Yeah. I used to be a finisher, so I did not read. Yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I would, didn't want to read any more books because I didn't want to finish, because I couldn't finish them. Hey, we should start a book club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'd be like, that'd be awesome. Let's start a book club. But there's just things times because you start these books and like, I notice I'll start watching more TV shows. Yes. Because I'm like, why am I watching more? Oh, because the book I'm reading sucks. So like, how do I, like, fuck that book, go back into fiction. Yeah. So I've been trying to even add more fiction to my life. Uh, I like that. 
Yeah, just more. It's way more stimulating. And so I'll do like one to one, like yeah. fiction. Like, what am I reading now? Now I'm reading. I haven't started a new one yet. Mm-hmm. What should I read next? Uh, I'll send you something. Uh, no, so I just. So I just okay. So I just finished the goal last week. Yep. The goal is, have you read the goal? No. Nope, so an Israeli guy. It's about operational efficiency. So mm-hmm. like how he took. Uh, it's a. It's like the E Myth Revisited, which is a pretty good book. Yeah. But it's basically that for a operating an operating plant and how you do an analysis of. You know, you have to create a goal, and then how do you evaluate things to to get the goal? And so, through a live story of fixing a manufacturing plant. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was, it's it's actually pretty quick. I would ignore all the parts where he talks about his wife and his kids. It's just waste. Yeah. But the part about the story with the business is actually like not as fluffy and, and pretty interesting. Useful. Yeah, I haven't read a fiction book recently. Uh, I'm trying to think of one, but I've just been reading a lot of nonfiction. What, so last, what are the last ones you read? I'm in the middle of a bunch of one. I read. Uh, Kind of reminded me of what you're saying. This book called The Radical Focus, which is um, is that good? I wish this did. Yeah, it's good. It? I liked it for me. So I'll say it was for me because um, radical focus. It's basically just about OKRs, right? That's all it's about, right? But uh, OKRs never. Um, I mean, I had a bunch of teams. I worked with a bunch of teams who've implemented it, and I never really did shit for me. You know, OKRs. Like I didn't really because yeah. I felt like. Uh, like many other things, people got religious about it. Like they were, it was the process that they were religious about, not the results, not the mm-hmm. goal. It was just like I'm doing this fucking process, uh, and uh, and so I didn't really care. And so I read this book by uh, Christina Watke, and uh, anyway, she tells the, she basically explains OKRs in a parable. So she tells a fake story, a parable, oh. like straight out is of the fucking Bible. Called? Yeah, oh, I never knew it yeah, called. like straight out of the Bible, a parable, which is this just a story, and it's about some little startup or whatever, and how they went wrong, and then they went right, and then how OKRs kind of like got cool. them aligned, and it was just like, oh, okay, I got it, because it was about this kind of company, uh, this thing that affected the company versus these kind of localized, you know. Um, process shit one thing you got me i, I wonder because a lot of times when you listen to interviews or podcasts or you know websites it's like what books are you reading but i wonder how many people like besides they don't read them they're not yeah. good shit but secondly like do you would you rather recommend if you you're gonna say all these books. i know everything else. i was yeah, saying, yeah. like you know as much as it's learning to read the books we're reading they're all available to everyone else yeah but it's the actual experience of doing doing i'd almost say is more valuable than, than way more books yeah that's the part that so i talk about books all the time and geek out with them all the time but i think like what you said is probably one of the most important things which no one ever does which is like it's not knowledge is interesting it's useful but if there's no doing there's it's yeah, no not useful right totally. yeah there's no application and most people are like read 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 do nothing right and so totally. i think the thing that separates what's, most the, people, what's the last thing from a book that you've read that you've actually like then done so many things. Uh, I have my list. I know. I oh, Marie Kondo. The, well, I mean, the book that, like, Marie Kondo tidying up. Right? Yeah, so, like, I've read Marie Kondo's Life's Changing Man Tidy Up and her follow-up book, Spark Joy, which is, it literally is the yeah. same book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a different title. And so I went and, like, threw away, you know, probably half the stuff I have in my place, or mostly donated it. Um, that Ultimate Sales Machine, if you're looking how to sell. Yeah, that I read book, that one from your post. Yeah, yeah that book is... It's like way undervalued, way mm-hmm. underappreciated. Mm-hmm. And I would say one book I'm actually going to reread, it's on my list for this year, is The Seven Habits. Yes. I'm actually, uh, third list. time. No, I'm rereading it. Yeah, yeah, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. So good. So there must be, if you're a non rereader, then I got to read it. Oh, I've not read it? No. That's oh, like a Bible for business. Yeah, I, need That's it. The, I mean, but you live it because we talk about Stephen yeah. Covey's Big Rocks all the time. Yeah. His stuff is just yeah. so yeah. short. Or like the one, the one thing was the recent 
Yeah, we read that as a company, the one thing, which is uh, just like the big rocks, which is like double down, focus on one thing, getting one big thing done a day. And yeah. it's just like if you do anything else, whatever, that's cool. Did you read Essentialism? No. The one thing that got the authors are here in Austin, so I yeah. have a lot of to my Austin people. I enjoyed Essentialism more. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, way more it. than that. I thought okay. one thing was good. No, not going yeah, to. But yeah. go check out Essentialism because yeah. it's even like, you know, and here's the thing. Everyone's heard a lot of the advice we would talk about. I think mm-hmm. we're just sharing. Everyone's right. heard it. Yep. But for some reason, it's not internalizing. It's not like they're like, oh, the light went off. I've got to go do it. Maybe hearing it from us will. But yeah. I think with the, you know, with essentialism in that book, it's more of like, I think we do a lot of things in our day. Mm-hmm. What, you know, kind of to the one thing, like in your business, like you maybe you're doing four marketing channels. If you cut two of them, how much would that really impact the business? Mm-hmm. And what if you could do two of the ones you're doing that are working even twice as much? Yep. And I think we're, we're not willing to do the things that are painful or recognize, maybe go and be mm-hmm. aware of like, those are the two that matter. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't okay. say we're perfect at it. No, I think that's one thing when you're no. sharing stuff, you're like, well, I want to make sure I'm to a T and I have to be hundred percent consistency. No, I think of anything like being comfortable, not being perfect at stuff, which I'm comfortable. I know, no, I, I know, no, it's comfortable. I, I don't know, man. I just never want to be a hypocrite or, but it's, yeah. it's hard. Cause like, yes, I used to have a lot of my mornings. I'll, I won't read. I'll do, a, you know, I will not check my email. I'll go yeah. read. I cook breakfast. I have coffee. And then I'll check my email at 10.30. Yeah. But I don't do it every day. There's some days where I'm like, I'm looking forward to something in my email or yep. I'm just, you know, bored. And I think it's <laughs> That's true. To You're human. I am a human. Yeah. And as much as we want to be robots, we're not computers yet. Yeah. They're trying to be human and we're trying to be computers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the irony. Yeah, situation. that's right. <laughs> but I think what you said, which is, is true too, is like, how do you come back to some core principles or core mm-hmm. aspect or some reminder maybe? Yeah. Like maybe it's like a, a Buddha statue on your, on your kitchen table yeah. that brings you back to that. Oh yeah. I remember to do this in the morning. I remember to like, these are things that matter to me. Totally. That's why I just repeat the same shit all the time, which uh, Dave is <laughs> Dave hears all the time. But most of it, and it it's works, just like though, in like, person, yeah. and uh, and also like when I do blog or when I do send out a tweet, they're almost a hundred percent to myself. Like I'm only talking to myself. Interesting. Like, like whatever it is, a quote or this or that, or like I'm just talking to myself, just trying to remind myself uh, about like just remember this. Don't fuck this up again. Don't make that mistake again. Right. And we talk about like. Uh, you know, just like double down, double down, double down. Do you double write down. that out? I guess that's why you do the podcast to kind of share that stuff. So yeah. You, you kind of like want it, it reinforces it, but you're also getting it out there so that, I don't know, sometimes I know for me, I'll do a blog post on OK Dork just because I'm like, yeah. I don't want to forget this stuff. Like, totally. how do I get organized? I'm like, I just want to put it out there. One, I don't have to answer it ever again. Mm-hmm. And it helps me kind of clarify the systems and ways that I'm living. Yeah. I, I think that's why we do. And I think the one thing that you mentioned before is like the way that you learn, everyone learns differently, like with your note taking. Like, uh, and you just have to figure out how do you learn. Some people are like, note takers and then read by the act of reading their notes they're learning you you're, you might be learning by just writing it helps you learn it some people learn by saying it right and you know so it's like are you a kinesthetic learner are you like mm-hmm. you know like do you have to act through it to do it or are you like can you be cerebral and just like read it and then like you've internalized this thing i have to like repeat it like maybe because i'm you know Slow. Yeah, yeah. No, one, your vocabulary is great. You had cerebral. Yeah. What's, what was it? Parably? What's parable? Parable. What's, what's kinesthetic mean? Kinesthetic means like um, uh, motion, like uh, the study of kinesol. I can't even pronounce kinesiology. it. Kinesiology. Kinesiology, right? So it's like it's like movement, right? So like yeah. some people are kinesthetic learners. Like um, it's like those people who are natural athletes. Like whatever. Like oh, I've never I've never played golf before. Never swung a bat before, and they pick it up and they're just like boom instantly and it's like it's because they're like a kinesthetic learner totally. like they might not be they might not be great at reading they might not be great at business but they learn through movement totally right? yeah so so anyway that's kinesthetic yeah cool thank you man yeah thank you noah
Bro. <laughs> All right. Now, we'll just end with my favorite phrase. You guys can use this one. All right. I just learned from my buddy, we're too blessed to be stressed. I love and that. We're so, too blessed to that's a mantra. Bro, that's the thing. Like my buddy Ben was telling me that. I don't know how he came up with it, but we're gonna start spreading the word. Bro. I thought you were gonna say like oh my buddy DJ Khaled said uh, oh, yeah, yeah. bless <laughs> up. Bless up is one thing, but it's just like if, if you think about it all, like sometimes I'll just say that phrase. It's only been a few weeks, but I'm like, yo, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And I'm like, Damn, I'm gonna really use that. Bro, I'm gonna use that. Spread the word. Everyone right. listening, go spread that word. Tweet that stuff. Cool. Too blessed to be stressed. All right, now Noah's gonna punish us with a workout. Oh, well, do, we, how many do you have time? I've got. Yeah, we'll check it out after this.